0: Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano, hosting the program. Uh, the program is heard in every state and every territory in uh, this Fairland of ours. Well, fair land of theirs. And uh, we, it is also a podcast. So if you, if nature calls, you've got diarrhoea, cramps, Asia knocks on the door, somebody wants to change your electricity plan you're about to be evicted, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au and the program is also streaming live on 3cr.org.au for those two international listeners we may have. Who knows? You never know who's listening these days. Not like the bad old days when we broadcast just to a specific area, we now broadcast to the world. If you wonder what anarchism is all about or anarchy is all about, anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power, society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. And why those concepts and why are anarchists involved in reformist uh, agendas? Very simple. Anarchism or anarchos comes from the Greek anarchos, which means without rulers. How do you remove the power that rulers inherently have? By concentrating power and wealth in their hands. You devolve power, (coughs) you share wealth. Very simple. So anarchists are involved in many struggles, not just revolutionary struggles, reformist struggles. Some use uh, extra-parliamentary strategies. Others may use the parliamentary process. But it's about creating the social, cultural, cultural, political conditions which devolve power and hold wealth in common. Simple concepts. You need to break down hierarchy to get an egalitarian community. Now, I've got a lot of things I need to talk about. They may not be uh, erudite, but at least it gives you an opportunity to get involved in certain things. And if you find... Nothing of what I speak about interests you. Don't despair. You can always organise your own activities. I know that's a radical concept, that you may actually want to organise your own activities, but that is what it's all about. It's about, you know, self-organisation, not relying on institutions and uh, religious rulers and uh, economic uh, manipulators to... uh, run the agenda. We set our own agenda. We do it constantly. It's important we set our own agenda. It's important we run our own race. Now I'd like to thank all those people who came to the West Papua Independence Movement Rent Collective Do, which was held on uh, Saturday. Good crowd. Uh if you want to join the West Papua and Rent Collective and think about this. Think about this. West Papua is seventy three kilometers. That's right. Seventy-three kilometers from Australia, silent genocide. Fifty years, over five hundred thousand dead out of a population of less than one point five million. Huge issue. Seventy-three kilometers. And to mark that uh, mark that uh, point, our West Papua activists will be walking from Geelong to Footscray. 73 kilometres They'll be uh, sleeping at the Geelong Trades and Labour Councils on tonight So it's a great time to meet them Go up there to Geelong Trades and Labour Council offices Can't miss them in Geelong Look it up on the net Give them a call Wander down Say hello Walk with them the next day Why not? Or are they walking? No, I've made a mistake. They're sleeping there. They slept there on Tuesday night. So they're there now, right now, about to start off. Go meet them. But the Rent Collective needs another 13. You like that? 13 new members in order to maintain the West Papuan office in Collins Street in Docklands, which is the only official West Papuan independence movement office in the world. And it's been a great boom to the West Papuan activists And for the grand price of a dollar a day, a dollar a day, you can actually get up the Indonesian government's nose, you can get up the Australian government's nose, and you can support an independence struggle for some of the most marginalised and exploited people on the planet. So if you are interested in becoming a Rent Collective member, you can call me on 0439 395 489, and I can send you out the details or you can uh, email me at anarchistage at yahoo, yahoo.com, or you could even send a, a message on my personal Facebook page, to for the public. So the next West Papua and Rent Collective due will be on Saturday the 16th, if I remember correctly, the 16th of August, so keep that day three. While we're talking about uh, what's going on, the people who are are unhappy about the privatisation of the Queen Victoria markets and the developments which has been uh, pushed by the Melbourne City Council will be having a rally this Friday the 28th of April from uh, about uh, 1130 to 1pm at the markets join them, great chance to uh, resist inappropriate development Let's move on Now, it's interesting that we have so much public money going into so many tender processes to provide services for so many disparate parts of the population, whether it's homelessness, whether it's uh, drug addiction, detoxification, uh, whether it's actually... um, employment agencies, whether it's distributing social security benefits on behalf of the government. And these are all done by tender processes. Because what we've had over the past 40 years during the uh, deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation era is that governments have actually washed... Well, not actually, that they have washed their hands of providing services to the people they supposedly represent. Not only do they allow the corporate sector to uh, lord it over us, but they've also washed their hands of the responsibility which they're given as representatives to provide services to the community. And privatisation has been at the very fore of the ideological agenda of both the Liberal, Labor, National Party you know, and to some, and to some uh, degree the Greens. It is at the foremost part of their uh, Political, social and cultural agenda And when you look at things When you look at them on paper For example, say housing Or homelessness Or let's say drug detoxification Or alcohol detoxification Which two that that come to mind When you look at them Closely, You can see all these so-called organisations And they're private organisations Which have won contracts through tenders Some are religious-based, some are secular-based Some are just there to make a a quid out of the misery of others We see that government resources are directed to these organisations Through these tender processes And then when it comes to the time that help is required By individuals or by communities That help can take years to access while people are dying. Years to access because obviously these privately run organisations have their own criteria regarding who they take and who they don't take. So once you privatise a service, especially an essential service, and I and I would consider drug detoxification and alcohol detoxification to be essential services, and I would consider to provide homes to the homeless would be a, an essential service. And I would consider having a job network, which is run by the government to try to find jobs for people, is an essential services, or was, should be. These should all be essential services. But they've now been given over to private organisations. And although hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars are poured from public coffers at the state and federal level and also at the local level into these organisations, there never seems to be enough. There never seems to be enough. And the reason is that 40 cents in every dollar goes in profits and administration costs. That's just at the top. So whether it's the NDIS... Whether it's the uh, whatever it is, it's all tendered out to privately run organisations, and, and, and a great example of that is is childcare, where the government pays the bulk of a childcare bill for a lot of people, and that goes to private organisations. So the government loses on two hands. One, it doesn't get a return from having a monopoly on the uh, on the uh, that service, but more importantly, there is no mechanism via which people can actually put pressure on the government to increase services, because again, it's got to be tendered out. And nothing highlights this more than the fiasco surrounding public housing, especially in Victoria, where the Labor government has is on our ideological, you know, a whim has decided that public housing is no longer a government responsibility and is doing all it can to close down the Ministry of Housing and transfer the ownership of public housing to social and community housing and so-called affordable housing groups, which are basically privately run, who then, like we see in the detoxification industry, who then set their own criteria about who comes in, who doesn't. So there isn't a universal access. And people who need the services the most find that they do not have access to those services because they are the more difficult cases. And the whole concept of having a social security system is to ensure that everybody is treated equally. Equally, irrespective of what their issues and problems are. It's the same for public house, uh, health system. So that concept of treating all, all people equally is then lost in the concept of, well, we will treat people who fall within the criteria that we, what we, that we have tended for to treat. And then they've set up their own criteria and you find the people that are difficult fall through the cracks. It's like the private hospital system. If you've got problems that are not too difficult or too complex, the private hospital system can be a wonderful system. But if you have a complex medical issue or complex trauma, it's only the public hospital system which can provide that service because what it's about it's about pooling resources. From the nation as a whole, in order to provide services to people, simple. But over the last 40 years, we've turned that on the on on its head, because for some reason, for some reason, we all believed—well, not me, but mostly every almost everybody else in the community, except you and me, obviously—believed that if you privatise services, government services, whether it's Telstra, whether, whether it was. Uh, the old telecom, whether it was the old Commonwealth Bank, whether it was Qantas, whether it was the airports, and the list goes on and on, that if you privatise these services, you decrease prices, you increase competition and decrease prices. And what we've seen basically is that most of these uh, corporations you know, that were government-run, which provided a profit, which was then used to extend those particular services, and now are owned, not by individual uh shareholders but are owned by overseas governments and overseas corporations who then milk the system whether it's public transport system in so-called public transport system in the city of Melbourne or whether it's uh, you know a Telstra or Optus and the list goes on and on and they are profits are repatriated back to head office. Extraordinary isn't it? And we call that progress. So that's the issue. The issue is that for 40 years we have been in the wilderness I hate to use a biblical analogy but I'm going to it's a good analogy 40 years we have been wandering in the privatized desert wandering like the lost tribes of Israel wandering in the privatized deserts wondering if all this resources and money and support goes into these private organizations why they can't seem to fill the need and it's simple because they answer to two masters they need to provide a service but at the same time they need to make a profit for the company or the corporation or the non-for-profit group which has tended and won the right to deliver those services So you've got this ogre, you know, behind the shoulder of the privatised organisation saying profit, 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 profit. I mean, that's its very essence. While a state-run service should be about service, 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 service. These are simple ideas. I mean, I shouldn't be wasting my time talking about this. But the dilemma is nobody talks about it. Because we all accept as a community, we continue to accept the lies that the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation revolution was based on. So think about it. Next time you find yourself in in a difficult situation and you're going from agency to agency to agency to agency to agency and then at the end of the the merry-go-round you find you're back where you started from and nothing has really changed for you and you haven't been able to access that service or it can take years to access the service, think about why you find yourself in that situation. And we find ourselves in that situation as a community because we have taken the privatisation bait and we have swallowed it. But we have found the hook does not dissolve and it's causing a lot of problems to the community as a whole. Listen to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. If you want to leave a message, 0439 395 489. you want to look at the website, you can go to my private Facebook... Well, it's not private. You won't learn what toilet paper I used. Um, i go to my Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Toscano for the public other uh, Facebook pages you could go to is uh, Public Interest before Corporate Interest you can go to the Facebook page uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing which I'll talk about in a few minutes you can go to the Anarchist Media Institute uh, webpage anarchistmedia.org you can email me on anarchistage at yahoo.com you can uh, go to the PIBCI website net. that's uh, Public Interest before Corporate Interests. And the list goes on and on. Lots of things happening. Uh, it's up to you whether you get involved. You get involved well and good. If you don't get involved, don't ring me and complain. Well, if you think that everything we're doing is useless, well then organise your own activity. Ch- talk is cheap. I know that. I've been talking for generations. Talk is cheap. But turning that talk into some type of reality is a much more difficult proposition. And to do that, whether it's registration of public interest before corporate interest as a political party, whether it's creating um, awareness about different social issues that are occurring in our community today, much more difficult, much more difficult, because you need other people. And that's what the key is. We need other people people to become involved there's no point us beating our heads against a wall individually because you'll just get lacerations and a headache and maybe even a fractured skull if you beat it hard enough you could even die of a subdural hemorrhage but if you get a big rope and you tie it around the wall and you've got a hundred thousand people pulling that rope before you know it that wall will come down and there are many other options available to us as a community and as individuals to pursue and that's what it's about it's about collective actions about collective action coming together collectively to try to make that hope which is, as i said hope is a love child of desire and expectation the desire for change and expectation for change a reality and you can do that in a variety of ways and just casting a ballot every 3 to 4 years is not going to change things radically and listening to me is really not going to change anything. Maybe it'll give you diarrhea, maybe it'll give you a headache, maybe it'll give you a warm inner a glow, but it's really not going to change anything. The only way that we can change things eventually is by people becoming involved in the activities we organise or them organising their own activities to push a barrow which is based on the concept of equality, based on the concept that it's not the other that is to blame, and what I mean by the other, the person who wears funny clothes, different religions, speaks a different language, has a, has a religious belief or doesn't have a religious belief, uh, a different gender, um, sexual orientation. That's the other. Easy to blame the other. But what we need to do is look beyond the other and see ourselves as part of a wider community. And who's pulling the strings, why they're pulling the strings. How they're getting away with it. Just extraordinary. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week. Broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network via the studios of Free CR Community Radio Federation, in Melbourne Town. Okay, let's move on. Now, I know you don't believe this, but it's going to be May Day in a few days. It's going to be May Day on the thir- sorry, on the... Um, 1st of May, that's what May Day is, the 1st of May Monday the 1st of May will be May Day Now look, every May Day I do this little spiel and I'd like to do it again because there's a lot of confusion about May Day especially May, the history of May Day what it means, why it's important to radical activists and reformists uh, in this country and around the world and what's it all about and it's an especially important moment for Australian anarchist May Day because... The history of May Day, both internationally and in Australia, is interlinked with the history of the Australian Anarchist Movement. In 1884, that's right, 1884, at a conference of the Federated Trades and Labor Unions of the United States and Canada, in the United States, the conference decided to launch an intensive campaign for an 8 hour working day that would result in widespread struggles on the 1st of May 1886. They put it in plain 21st century language. They decided at the conference in 1884 to have the 1st of May 1886 to be a big day to push the idea of the eight hour day. Demonstrations were held across the United States and Canada on the 1st of May 1886. In Chicago, over 30,000 workers went on strike and over 80,000 took part in demonstrations to mark the struggle for the eight-hour day. Two days later, on the 3rd of May, striking workers met outside the McCormick's Harvesting Machinery Company in Chicago. Chicago police, on orders from the government and the company, opened fire on the workers, killing four and wounding many others. That occurred on the 3rd of May, 1886. Chicago anarchists, and there was a large anarchist movement in Chicago in the 1880s, organised a protest meeting at Haymarket Square For the next evening, that's the 4th of May. The rally was non-violent. As the rally was breaking up, police charged demonstrators. Somebody threw a bomb at the police lines, killing one police officer. The police panicked, firing indiscriminately into the crowd and at each other. Seven police and four demonstrators were killed. And over 100 police and demonstrators were wounded. Eight prominent Chicago anarchists were rounded up and charged with conspiracy to ki- commit murder, although only three, Albert Parsons, August Spears and Samuel Fielden, had spoken at the rally the previous day. All eight, Albert Parsons, August Spears, Samuel Fielden, Michael Schwab, Oscar Neebe George Engel, Adolf Fischer and Lewis Ling, was found guilty. Seven sentenced to death and one Oscar Nebel to 15 years imprisonment. August Spears, George Engel, Adolf Fischer and Albert Parsons were hanged on the 11th of November 1887. That famous 11th of November which is so important in the history of Australia. Think about it. The 11th of November 1854 the group that organised the Eureka Rebellion was formed. That's on the 11th of November 1854. On the 11th of November 1880, Ned Kelly was hung. On the 11th of November 1918, Armistice Day was declared. The end of that brutal war. And on the 11th of November 7, 1975, the Whitlam Labor Government was dismissed. So those of you who are interested in dates, well, it is an important date, the 11th of November. But the 11th of November, 1887, four of the seven who were sentenced to death were hung. Lewis Sling committed suicide in prison the night before the hanging, and uh, two others, Schwab and Fieldon, lives... Uh, Death sentence, were commuted to life in prison. All eight men were victims of the widespread hysteria whipped up by the Chicago media, the yellow press, the gutter press. Nothing's really changed, has it, when you look at the shit that's printed in the uh, Murdoch media and uh, you hear on uh, the Murdoch media across the world, but same in 1886, 87. It was later proven... All eight men had nothing to do with the bombing, and those executed and those imprisoned received a full pardon. I'll spell that out. Many years later, about 30 years later, they received a full pardon. In other words, four innocent men, four anarchists, had been executed, another one had been committed suicide. So let's move to Australia. Let's look at the history of May Day. That's the background to the beginning of May Day on an international basis. In Australia, on the 1st of May, 1886, brothers David and William Andre, heeding the call of the Federated Trades and Labor Union to the United States and Canada, launched the Melbourne Anarchist Club, Australia's first anarchist organisation. So it was launched on the 1st of May 1886. 1886, as a consequence of that call to struggle from the Federated Trades and Labour Unions of the United States and Canada, who set the 1st of May 1886 as the day of universal protest for the eight hour day. Three years later, on the 14th of July 1889, the International Labour Conference, the Second Internationale, decided to make the 1st of May a great day of international demonstration. An Australian delegate, John Norton, from Sydney, attended the conference on behalf of the Australian Trade Union movement. Now, the members of the Melbourne Anarchist Club celebrated the 1st of May in 1887 and 1888 with a number of public meetings and activities. Okay, So they kept celebrating. May Day was celebrated in Victoria in the offices of Dr William Maloney, the radical member for Melbourne for over 40 years. Don't think the fact that a Green Adams Bant is now the member for Melbourne is something pretty radical. It happened decades ago. Uh, May Day was celebrated in his offices in 1890 and 1891. The first Australian May Day celebration and demonstrations were held in Barcaldon and Ipswich in Queensland at the height of the Shearer Strike in 1891. Over a thousand people took part. 600 Shearers were mounted on horseback. This procession was led by four strike breakers wearing blue sashes who'd been recently released from prison. Now the Odd Fellows Band, which was part of the Odd Fellows Society, which is now demutualized, was a mutual aid society, was followed by the banner of the Australian Labor Federation. The Eureka flag was carried by some participants during the first May Day March in Barkalden. Golden. In eighteen ninety three, moves were made in Queensland to have the eight-hour day celebrated on the 1st of May instead of Labor Day in March. In 1892, a public celebration was held at the Yarra Bank in Melbourne to mark May Day. The meeting was chaired by well-known Melbourne anarchist, Chummy Fleming. The meeting was preceded by a march, which began at the Wills Monument, which was led by two men carrying two large red flags. The following year, Chummy Fleming called a meeting of radical delegates from across Melbourne to organise future May Day celebrations. Now, Chummy Fleming was involved in every May Day celebration in Melbourne that's over almost 60 years until his death in 1950. His ashes were scattered on the Yarra Bank on May Day the following year, and those people are interested in history, Chummy Place in Carlton, off Lygon Street, still bears his name. So, what does this what does this mean to you? All right, what does it mean to me? Well, we celebrate May Day on the first of May in Victoria. There is no public holiday for the first of May, and the normal May Day parade normally occurs on the first Sunday after the 1st of May. And this year, as in previous years, May Day will be celebrated on the 7th of May in Melbourne. That's the official May Day parade, which I encourage you to attend. I won't be, because I celebrate on the 1st of May. But if you can't make the celebrations we've organised on the 1st of May, you should go to the Labor Day official celebrations on the 7th. And people uh, assemble at Trades Hall in Melbourne. So what do we have got planned for Monday, the 1st of May? Now, we won't be taking over the city, I'm going to of that, because I don't expect huge numbers. But we'll be gathering or assembling at the Eight Hour Monument. Why not the Eight Hour Monument? That was the beginning of the May Day struggle. It was all about the Eight Hour Struggle. And considering... How many hours people work these days, and the fact that overtime payments has been are being removed for some of the poorest workers in this country, you can understand why the eight-hour concept is so important today. So, we will be assembling in Melbourne at the eight-hour monument, which is the corner of Russell Street and Victoria Street in Melbourne, which is just around the corner from the Tunaway Maori Hina monument, which was uh, officially opened last year, and across the road from Melbourne Trade Hall. So, we'll be there at midday on Monday, the first of May. Then at 12.30pm we'll be walking to Her Majesty's Theatre at 219 Exhibition Street. Now, we haven't got three tickets to whatever play's going on there. I think it's... I don't know what's at the minute there, but we ain't got three... T- I think it's the Hat and the Mormon thing. We ain't got three tickets, no. But you see, the, the Melbourne anarchists were very organised. When I formed the organisation on the 1st of May 1886... And they rented a room on the second floor of Her Majesty's Theatre. Not the one that we've got now, which was burnt down in the 1920s, but the original Her Majesty's Theatre. So we're going there basically to mark the 131st anniversary of the Australian anarchist movement. So I encourage you, if you're in Melbourne, come and join us. If you're not, form your own uh, activities in your part of the world to celebrate May Day. If you're in Melbourne, Join us at midday on Monday the 1st of May at the Eight Hour Monument at the corner of Russell and Victoria Street, Melbourne. At uh, midday sharp and at about half an hour later we'll be walking down to Her Majesty's Theatre 219 Exhibition Street to hear a little bit about the uh, Australian Anarchist Movement and uh, we'll celebrate the Australian Anarchist Movement's uh, participation in May Day over. The Decades. You listen to the Anarchist World This week broadcast across the Community Radio Network and talking About activity. Don't forget the next Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally on the steps of the Victorian public, uh, Parliament House will be On Wednesday the 10th of May That's right. Wednesday the 10th of May It's a parliamentary sitting Day. I'll be inviting All the members to come down and have a chat Give a Speech Let's see how many members of the Legislative, 88 members of the Legislative Assembly and the 40 members of the Legislative Council turn up today. Going on past uh, record, don't expect too much, but you never know, you never know. People may think that, that we should, that we should reinvest in public housing, radical concept. You know, after all this kerfuffle, I mean, look, I'm not a genius. You're not a genius. I don't expect any geniuses to be listening to the uh, anarchist world this week. You know, they think anarchist world, oh, no, I'm not going to listen to that. You know, I assume geniuses are trying to get, in, you know, doing something else. But if you've got homelessness, if you've got increased public housing numbers, you resolve the problem of homelessness. It's very simple. If you've got an affordable housing crisis and increasing rents, you'll increase the number of public housing units and houses through building and spot purchasing. Hey, presto, you've got real competition against the private sector. It's called a mixed economy. Simple concepts. That's what we need. It's not complex, as everybody tells us. They make it complex, and it is deadly simple. So if you want to see more public housing, join us. Wednesday the 10th of May, midday to 2 p.m. Uh, steps of the Victorian Parliament House if you've got the same issues in your state and some states do and some states don't especially in New South Wales you should be forming organisations like Defend and Extend Public Housing and getting on their backs because it's all about ideology it's not about need it's about trying to satisfy a need by going down a particular ideological pathway that doesn't work It fills the pockets of the private providers, but it doesn't provide the service it should provide. So if you are concerned about homelessness, you are concerned about rents, you are concerned about increasing housing prices, and I expect 98% of the population is, well, then you should join, defend and extend public housing Look at the Facebook page, defend and extend public housing, make a comment, advertise the role on the 10th of May. I know that you all can't come, many of you are working, but if you're not working, this is a great opportunity to highlight that there are other options to privatisation. There are other options, and these are not new options. These are not radical options. They're not even reformist options. They are practical options. These are practical options which are, you can follow in order to organise things. It's very simple. Practical options. Not hard. Not hard. If I can do it, you can do it. If Defend and Extend Public Housing can do it, if Friends of Public Housing can do it, if Public Interest before Corporate Interest can do it, you can do it. Because... We've got this attitude. We're taught this attitude that you leave it to somebody else. Leave it to somebody else. Elect somebody new to office and hey, bingo, it'll all be finalised. I mean, change comes from pressure. All right, let's move on. You ought to be congratulated. Take a bow. Take a bow, boys and girls, regular listeners to the anarchist world this week. Take a bow. Take a bow Take a bow, warrior That's right, take a bow I'll call you a warrior, it's nice Your bow has shot an arrow across chevron's bow You like that? That's the beauty about the English language, isn't it? It's a beautiful language, so complex The word B-O-W can mean so many things, so forth Let's see if we can kind of smarten this program up. You know, give it a bit of a literary nous. So take a bow, warrior. Your bow has shot an arrow across Chevron's bow. Now, a few days ago, the full bench of the federal court has found that Chevron, the transnational corporation that's developing our gas, on the northwest shelf, that's our gas, not their gas, our gas, who covered, covered themselves in glory by paying $254. That's right, $254 tax in, I think it was 204 or 215, while making millions, if not tens of millions of dollars of profits by developing our gas. privatised gas, has been rorting the system. Now, I kept saying this was legal. You know, I'm an idiot. Now, the full bench of the federal court found late last week the 9% interest charged on loan to Chevron subsidiary in Australia by the head company in the United States On money it had borrowed at 1.5% interest Was a contrivance You like that word? Beautiful English Was a contrivance entered into By head office in the United States With its Australian subsidiary To illegally minimise its tax liability To the Australian government And what's tax? Well tax is more money for public health Public infrastructure you know public services and the list goes on and on that's what taxes is all about theoretically it's supposed to be all about public education now chevron is a little bit pissed off by this judgment because usually they have the government and the courts in their on their side and because of people like you scum like you that's right scum like you and me I'll oh, happy to be called scum this time because of the pressure that people like you and me have been placing on the federal government to alter legislation to ensure that corporate the corporate world pays its fair share of tax, because this is ultimately, and I'm not just talking about Chevron, this is ultimately criminal behaviour. It's nothing less. First of all, you give them the gas. You say, there's all this gas... Let's forget we stole it from the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Let's forget about that. But us so say there's all, yeah, of course, there's all this gas. You develop it. But if you develop it, you're going, to, you're going to pay royalties and you're going to pay tax on your profits. So what do they do? They look at you, put the fingers up, you know, the two fingers up, not the peace sign, the reverse peace sign, and say, up yours. We're going to take it and we're not going to give you anything back in return. Thanks very much, Sucker. Sucker, we've got Parliament in our pocket and the courts, there's not enough legislation to touch us. So scum like you and me have been protesting, complaining, carrying on, bitching about how unfair all this is. And finally, and finally, the full bench of the federal court has said, hey, this doesn't seem right. We do have legislation which we can pursue this particular company. Now, although the full bench of the federal court has made a decision, it's quite likely that Chevron is going to take the matter to the high court. So we need to continue our agitation to ensure the corporate world coughs up a little bit of its profit. Because it's not good enough to say, well, we employ people and they pay taxes. How about you, scum? How about you and the royalties? How about some of those royalties being passed over to this country's Indigenous population? So the federal court has basically decided that on the $2 billion loan in question, it was a $2 billion loan from the American head office to the subsidiary in Australia where the 1.5% interest rate was changed to a 9% interest rate to minimise tax. And that was an internal thing. They didn't even bother. They were so confident, so confident, they didn't even bother to get an outside agency. Because if an outside agency had done this kind of loan, they would have got away with it. It was an internal internal loan. So they they have to pay three hundred million tax. But that's not the problem. Three hundred million is basically, you know, nothing for these people. Nothing. It is nothing. But the problem is They've already given another forty-two billion dollar loan to their Australian subsidiary. Not on the same terms. The actual interest rate was decreased. So if it doesn't appeal this case, this will be the next case, and in this case, we could see billions of dollars of tax going into the ta- going to the government coffers, and obviously. Obviously, it's useful getting revenue from these people because, you know, when I talk about the fact of, you know, privatised essential services and I talk about the fact that it is difficult to get access to services that, you know, Australians require, it's not just the fact that it's privatised, it's the fact that these corporations don't pay tax. So 70 cents of every Dollar that is collected by the government in tax revenue comes from pay-as-you-earn-taxpayers. That's right, pay-as-you-earn-taxpayers. So what's even more beautiful is you pay tax on profits but you supposedly pay royalties on the fact that you have access to that natural resource which belongs to the Crown, which theoretically belongs to the people of of Australia. Now Chevron has done a little bit of interesting negotiations and the West Australian Government has just found out that it's not going to get any royalties from the billions of dollars which will be collected from the North West Shelf Gas for another quarter of a century. Another quarter of a century. They must have got their lawyers to write the contract. Extraordinary. And then it gets more extraordinary, this this tale, as you know. There won't even be enough gas to run businesses on the East Coast because they've contracted it out at bargain base, basement prices to overseas governments and corporations. On. What do they think? They are fools. Maybe they're right. Maybe we are fools. So take a bow. Take a bow. Because people like you and me that have forced the Australian government to change federal legislation so the Chevron's case could be pursued. The Australian people have made it clear to all political parties that legislation that allows transnational corporations to legally minimise their tax bill to zilch nil, zilch nil, and in the case of your mate, not my mate, your mate, Rupert Murdoch's, case where he was able to able to claim an eight hundred and eighty six million dollar tax refund by shuffling a few pieces of paper in two thousand and three while making millions of dollars of profits. He was able to do that legally. Now you have got old Mr. Nadella, the previous deputy speaker who the you know the Andrews Labour government is jumping up and down about this, you know, mega, 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 mega rota that, you know, they're going to pass retrospective legislation, possibly, (laughs) to collect 98 grand. Well, wouldn't it be nice that if the federal government passed retrospective legislation to ensure that the $886 million tax refund that was given to Murdoch on a platter in 2013 was given back to the Australian people, eh? Plus interest of 11%. I mean, this current Chevron case is the first step in a war of attrition against the Australian government and people like you and me. Almost every cent in money, almost every cent that's extracted from our mineral resources goes into the pockets of private profiteers who don't even have pay taxes or royalty, or pay peppercorn taxes and royalties. So take a bow. Take a bow. Because it's time that these people were put on notice and you and me are the only people who will put them on notice. Governments act after pressure from below. They don't act because of a newspaper article or an internet campaign, they act because of pressure. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You want to send me a message? Well, you want to join public interest before corporate interest? Download the application for dot net. You want to leave me a message on the phone: oh four three nine three nine five four eight nine. Don't ring me if you're complaining, because the first thing I'm going to ask you is, what are you doing about it? I'm happy to help you, but I'm not going to do the work for you, and that's the way it should be, because the more of us who become active, the greater the chance of change, reform initially, revolutionary change later. All right, you can uh, go the Facebook page, Toscana for the public. Have a look at the Fort bubbles. Have a look at the ideas that uh, I'm interested in currently and all the campaigns I'm involved in. The um, May Day stuff should be up there now or in the next hour or two. Join us on May Day, 1st of May. Go to the Pipsy website, pipsy.net. the Public Interest Before Corporate Interests Facebook page, Defend and Extend. Public Housing, Facebook page, Toscane for the Public, Facebook page, anarchismedia.org, web page, pipsy.net, web page, webpage web page. The list goes on and on. And don't despair. If you're not interested in the net, can't be bothered, not interested, haven't got a phone, you can always write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And while I'm talking about the post office box, don't forget we need $1 stamps for another mass Pipsy mail out. So you've got a few $1 stamps spare. Put them in an envelope. Send them to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Don't forget. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3CR.org.au. Now those of you who are old enough to remember. The all the way with LBJ campaign in 1964 that led to Australia's involvement in the Vietnam War and the aftermath of that war which continues to have a significant impact especially on uh, men and women who were involved in that war many of whom were conscripted I feel deja vu I saw Malcolm and the Groper President Donald Groper getting together And they're going to get together next week and they're going to discuss what they're going to do with North Korea. We've already now know that Darwin's going to be wiped from the face of the earth. Reminds me of those weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Reminds me of those weapons of mass destruction. But so here we are all the way. No wonder. No wonder Malcolm's back on the uh, welcome list He'll be there next week and he'll say, Donald, what do you want us to do? What can we do to help you deal with North Korea? Now, when you talk about rogue states, North Korea may be a rogue state, but the biggest rogue on the international scene is the United States of America. Look at their support for what's happening in Yemen where you've got millions of men, women and children starving to death because of war which is supported by the United States and Saudi Arabia against the people of Yemen. Think about it. Who is the rogue state? So are we going to go down that same path as we went in 1964 all the way with LBJ, all the way with the Groper or are we going to be a strong independent country that forges our own foreign policy and changes our alliances because if it smells like a duck, looks like a duck swims like a duck, it's a duck and it's a very sick duck thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, you can email me at anarchistage at com. phone number zero four three nine three nine five four eight nine. web address, po- uh, postal address post office box 20 Parkville 3052 don't forget it's not just about listening, it's about doing and If you can't do, support the people who are doing Support them financially, support them practically, give them a call, send them a note, send them an email, say you support what they're doing. It helps to know that we're not just talking to four walls. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network on the local community radio station. This program is podcast and we look at the numbers, that's right. We want to see those numbers double every week. Go to the podcast, 3cr.org.au. Listen to The Anarchist will this week on your local community radio station next week via the Community Radio Network. Evil minds at plot destruction construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger...